Well, morning everyone. Good to see you and welcome uh, everyone online. We're going through uh, our Gentle and Lowly series. So this is my weekly book plug. If you haven't managed to get hold of this book yet, uh, it's called Gentle and Lowly and it's by Dane Ortland. Uh, you can either get it online, Amazon or anything like that. Or if you uh, look up St. Andrew's Bookshop uh, on Facebook or in the internet, they're doing a special deal at the moment uh, where you can pick up a good um, bargain for that. But what I would suggest is uh, we're going to go through it chapter by chapter and just preach around the verses that the chapters are built around. So you only have to read like one chapter a week just to kind of uh, either before or after um, we look at it on the Sunday and then in community groups we're going to look at it as well. But it's a tremendous book just to understand who Jesus is. It's, it's really talking about his very heart, what he's like, how he feels, how, why he does what he does. And I think at this uh, time and season of, of our lives with all of um, COVID and lots of things that we've had to, to deal with over um, recent months, uh, what better thing to do than to take a good long look at Jesus again. Uh, so if you want to get hold of that book, I would really recommend to do that. So we're up to um, part three of our series, which is chapter two in the book, which doesn't quite work, does it? But that's because we did the introduction one. Um, and we're looking at uh, his heart in action. So we're looking at compassion today, we're looking at Jesus' compassion and then how his compassion then affects, affects how we then live. So in um, Matthew 14, verse 14, we find this verse. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them, and healed their sick. And we find that that word compassion, uh, related to how Jesus felt, is repeated many times, and I'll give some other examples in a moment. Now, compassion, in the Bible, I'm sorry this this puts you off your breakfast or your lunch, or whatever time you're looking at this, uh, but compassion actually is to do with the moving of your gut, or your bowels. It's when emotion so affects you that your very physical being uh, feels something of the, 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 oh, you know, it's like a gut-wrenching thing. It's, a, it's not just a, an intellectual, oh, yeah, that's a sad situation. No, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's a, a gut-moving uh, feeling that comes over us when we see a particular situation or a particular person or with need or whatever, and something within us is moved with compassion. It's a physical sensation produced by an emotion. So when it says Jesus had compassion on people, it means he was moved to his very being. It had a physical effect upon him. It's not just a you know, patting on the head, there, there, it'll be all right. Now, this, this is a deep, deep thing. And it says he had compassion on the whole crowd. He felt deeply for them. He felt real depth of love and care and tenderness and concern. Uh, there was a, The weight that was on them that he could see, he felt somehow that weight on his own heart, feeling he wanted to reach out to them because of what they were facing. And the Bible reveals that that compassion, that gut-wrenching compassion is what naturally flows out of the heart of Christ. That, that is how he feels. That's how he responds and reacts to us. Um, uh, and the Bible tells us that that is most naturally the feeling that he has. It's his, it's his very heart. 
it's a self-disclosure, as it were. The Bible tells us what Jesus is like. And sometimes we have all sorts of images in our own mind of what we think Jesus is like and how he feels and how he behaves and what opinions he has about things. Well, actually, as the Kids' Own video so helpfully said, we must read the Bible because the Bible defines, Jesus defines himself. And he said, no, this is what I'm like. So gain, gain your picture of me from that. And... Um, one of the lines in this book says that Christ is love covered over in flesh. And that's, that's a great description. He is the embodiment of love. And he most naturally moves towards us um, with compassion. So some other examples. Uh, in, in Matthew 8, uh, there's a few chapters in Matthew where this comes up quite often. Matthew 8, 2 to 3, it says, Behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, perhaps a, a more um, uh, amplified way of saying that, of, of, uh, you, of knowing what, he, what the leper meant by I will, Sorry, if you will, and what Jesus meant by I will, is perhaps saying it this way. The leper was perhaps saying to Jesus, if it is your deepest desire, you can make me well. So he's almost, it's like, if, you're, if you will, you can. But what he's really saying is, Lord, if it's your deepest desire, you can make me well. And Jesus' response is this, it is my deepest desire be clean. Now that, that amplifies the feeling that's going on in this in interaction. So whenever we read about Jesus having compassion, it, there's far more feeling to it than just a, um, just a transaction of something. There's, there's a feeling behind it. So then in Matthew 9 verse 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then in Matthew uh, 15, 32, it says, Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd, because they've been with me now three days, and they've nothing to eat, and I am unwilling to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. So you've got this deep emotion going on whenever Jesus is engaging with people. It's, it's something within him that's a, bur it's a burden on him. He, he's feeling very, very deeply uh, from these engagements. Now, twice we're, we're told that Jesus actually broke down in tears about situations, not just through uh, sorrow about himself or his situation or anything like that. He wasn't crying over his own situation, but he was in tears because of the situation of other people. And uh, the first one of those is in uh, Luke 19, where, uh, and verse 41, where um, Jesus is coming to Jerusalem and he's looking over this this, this city that has had so much history of God, uh, God moving amongst his people, the seeing Jerusalem sort of reminds him of all of God's faithfulness to his people all through the years. And it says in verse 41, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. There's a, like a compassion that Jesus feels for his people 
when he looks at a, ch- at a church, at his church, you know, local church or all of his church, they, he weeps over us sometimes. There's something deeply that he feels. It, it matters. We matter to him collectively, corporately. When he sees us as a church, he weeps over us sometimes. That's, that's his heart. And then uh, the other example uh, where Jesus, we're told Jesus cries is in John 11 and uh, verse 35. And uh, this is where Lazarus died. And uh, verse 33, when Jesus saw Mary's weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. Get that? He was deeply moved. He had compassion. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. So where we have two examples of Jesus weeping over a a, a city... And Jesus weeping over a person. So there's something within his compassion that can reach to many people, how he feels, or to one individual who's going through some difficulty. Now it's impossible for us to over-celebrate or over-exaggerate the affectionate heart of Christ. We can't, uh, whatever we think of his compassion as being, it's always more. There's always more that Jesus is than we Imagine. So this is, this is an un, unfathomable um, depth of compassion that when we feel compassionate about something, uh, as I'm sure we've all been, been there at times, um, whatever we feel, it's just a, a, a small dilution of what it is that Jesus feels. And we, we do well to growingly understand the affectionate heart that Christ has for us as individual. That, do, that does us good. We're not repulsive to him in any way, in our need. We might repulse ourselves sometimes. We might disappoint ourselves. We might be very disappointed, disgusted even with ourselves and think, oh, I'm just really a very big letdown to myself. And to other people, we might feel we might have sometimes go through times where we don't feel particularly good about ourselves in any way. But that's never, never, ever how Jesus feels about us. Never is he repulsed by us or our need. When he moves towards us, um, we might think it's like him moving towards a leper, someone who's really, you know, he might hold his nose and just kind of, I've got to come towards you, but I don't really want to. No, he's not made unclean by he's not made unclean by our uncleanness. We are made clean by his moving towards us. He has the power to deal with our brokenness. He has the sufficiency to deal with our brokenness. And I think we often draw too little strength, I know I do, draw too little strength from the compassion that Christ has for us. The more we understand it the less we will feel he's distant the less we will feel he doesn't feel our pain very much because the reality is quite the reverse the very fallenness in us that he came to undo is the thing that makes us irresistibly attractive to him imagine that the very fallenness that you and I carry is the very thing that actually was irresistibly attractive to him he said it's not the healthy that need a doctor it's the sick 
So he's moved, he's drawn towards those who are broken. That's where he, that's where he wants to be. Wherever he sees need, wherever he sees humanity broken, uh, all, sort of, all the stuff that we carry with us in our broken, that's, that moves him. Not just to feel something, it moves him literally towards us. He's moved towards us by our brokenness. So we never need to think, oh Lord, um, am I worthy of your... Well, no, we're not worthy. But that, we don't need to bargain with him. God so loved the world that he sent his son. But there's the, 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 the initiative is with God, not out of duty, but out of an irresistible attractiveness. Imagine just saying that to yourself. I am irresistibly attractive to Jesus. Persuade yourself that that is true. Because that's what the Bible says is true. He moves towards our sin and our fallenness and our suffering. He doesn't move away from it. He comes right up close and personal in it. And then the, the New Testament teaches us that we are united to Christ. When we're believers, we're united to Christ. And that's a union that's so intimate that whatever our own body parts do, Christ's body can be also said to do. It talks about that in 1 Corinthians 6. Jesus Christ is closer to us today than he was to sinners and sufferers that he spoke with and touched in his earthly ministry. Through his spirit, he's closer. And Christ's own heart envelops us, his people, with an embrace that's nearer and tighter than any physical embrace could ever achieve. His actions on earth in a body reflected his heart. And the same heart now acts in the same way towards us for we are now his body. And for us then, his compassion then overspills in how we live as his disciples, as his ambassadors. The Bible calls us Christ's ambassadors. Now an ambassador is someone who represents someone and is a good, um, a good representative. Uh, well, he's not here, but I'm here on his behalf. So the ambassador behaves and feels and, and does the way uh, exactly what the, the, the king or the, the ruler um, would do if he was here in person. So we are now Christ's ambassadors. So the compassion he feels, the way he acts, we, because we're his body, now should do such a good job of representing him that people look at us and they understand what Jesus feels toward them. Now that's quite a, quite a thing to think, isn't it? People get their understanding of Jesus, not just from the Bible, but they get their understanding of Jesus from his body. He's the head, we're the body. So we are doing the works of Jesus. So what are the works of Jesus that come through us? Well, in 1 John 3 verse 8, it says, Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. Now, the evil one, we know, produces sin, sickness, death, fallenness, brokenness, dysfunction. He's a liar, he's a cheat, he's a thief, he messes everything up. The world is broken, we are broken because of the evil one's works right back from the Garden of Eden. The world is now dysfunctional, humanity's dysfunctional, you're dysfunctional, I'm dysfunctional. That's why we needed a saviour, because we cannot save ourselves. And Jesus, it says, came to destroy the works of the evil one. All that has been ruined, Jesus came to put right. Now, if I may quote from the uh, great quote from the book here, it says, We are so used to a fallen world that sickness, disease, pain, and death seem natural. In fact, they are interruptions. 
When Jesus expels demons and heals the sick, he is driving out of creation the powers of destruction and is healing and restoring created beings who are hurt and sick. The lordship of God to which healings witness restores creation to health. Jesus' healings, this is, I love this bit, Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They are the only truly natural thing in a world that is unnatural, demonized, and wounded. The world is supposed to be whole. So are we. It's the evil one that has caused all of this um, chaos. So when Jesus brings his rule, he's actually restoring what should be um, natural. What we live in is unnatural. So that's what Jesus came to do. Now, then the question is, where does compassion fit within that? Because we might think, yeah, well, let's just release God's power. Let's, let's, let's release God's power amongst all the people we know in this town, in the nations that God connects us with. Let's just release the power of God. Well, the power of God only flows in the context of the compassion of God. It's Jesus was filled with compassion, so he healed. If we just think, well, let's, let's show God, let's show people how powerful God is, we're actually making an idol out of something. Because Jesus was filled with compassion and that moved him. It's the heart that we are trying to communicate. Well, Jesus loves you, therefore be healed. There is something about communicating his heart that's got to come uh, before and in and during any, any act, activity we do. If we do activity, good works, we, if, we, if we, I don't know, take care of people, do all the things that we want to do, bless people around us, but if that isn't motivated and flowing out of compassion, then it's just a dead work even if it temporarily sorts someone's problems out. That, that's not where Jesus' ministry came from. He came because of compassion. Compassion's got to be the, the, um, the bedrock of everything we do. And I will guarantee this, that if you are a believer in Jesus this morning, that there are times in your life, maybe quite often, where something will so touch your heart that you see. Maybe a person nearby, in your neighborhood, maybe someone in your workplace, maybe something that we get involved in as a church, or maybe something you know, within our family of churches, in another nation. There'll be something somewhere that at times so gets in your guts in terms of the compassion you feel that you will be compelled to do what Jesus did, which is to stretch out his hand and bring the power of God into that. That's good. That shows that we're in touch with what God is doing. And he wants us to feel that. And compassion can be sometimes quite an uncomfortable thing for us. Because we feel we can't bear to live with what we're seeing. We have to do something about it. That's good. That's, that's feeling uh, the reality of a very God, God-like emotion. Um, so compassion is the motivation for everything we do. It's, the, it's the, the motivation for evangelism. It's the motivation for caring for the poor, for praying, for healing if people are unwell. Basically, our lifestyle, if I can put it like this, our lifestyle should be a lifestyle that flows from the guts. Because that's how Jesus lived. 
And there will be different things that God puts on our heart that do move us to action. And that's a good indication of where the Holy Spirit is prompting you to particularly get involved in something. Galatians 6 verse 10, I think, is a real plumb line verse that I I think for all of us, it says this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, we can't fix everything. We can't solve every problem. We can't meet every need. Even Jesus couldn't do that when he was here on earth. He's now got all of us, so his reach is far more multiplied because we're his body. And that's why he said you'll do even greater things than me because there's more of us. We can, we can do... He was physically limited. But together as, as his church, as his body, we, we can... We can do good to all, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. But notice it says this, as you have opportunity. So God will open up situations for us personally, individually, where we can actually do good. We can be a blessing to people. Compassion will move us to do that. As a church, that will happen. As a family of churches, God gives us lots of opportunities, increasingly in different nations, where we can actually, we can't fix everything, but we can do good as we have opportunity, and especially to the household of faith. If we're Christ's, then we should feel his heart and do his works. Do you know, the reason we, uh, we do food bank, the reason we do cap, the reason we do fish, the reason we do any of the things that we do, is because there's compassion that's moved people to do these things. Feeling, I, I just don't want to let people be in need or in, 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 in um, trauma anymore. I want, to, I want to help them. I want to do something about that. And it says, as we have opportunity, let's do that. It's a very godly thing for us to reach out and, and help people. And uh, I think, you know, big well done to everybody involved with cap or fish or food bank locally we we you know and all the other things that are just happening not necessarily organized things maybe just reaching out to your neighbors or your friends or as a community group you've got someone that god's brought within your group's knowledge and you can say well, you know we're moved with compassion we can help this person we, we can do that and and your guts feel moved i've just got to do something that's that's wonderful that that kind of vibrancy of feeling the heart of God is, is what will <clears throat> help us to really represent Jesus well in, uh, in the world and, and around us. Now I had, um, I'd written down a few um, examples of uh, real need um, wider than just our locality that, that we as a family of churches in relational mission are sort of touching. And, and as I read it through um, this morning, I thought, I, you know, I can't, even, I can't even say some of these things because honestly they're too harrowing. I thought, I, I don't think I can say, say them. It just makes me, made me realize that there's, there's so much brokenness out there that it's sometimes you think, no, I can't really, I can't really talk about that. It's just, too, it's just too harrowing, it's too upsetting. Um, and I was trying to think, well, Lord, how can, I, how can we perhaps this morning do something that uh, just demonstrates your compassion? Well, there's a situation come up um, which I just want to talk to you about, and, and perhaps 
you will feel, as I have felt, moved to perhaps get involved in this. Now, um, in relational mission, we've got lots of involvement in lots of nations, and that's growing more and more. I mean, there's more and more nations we're involved in and seeing some tremendous things happening. We've just recently been able to help set up a a business, a bakery, in a very war-torn part of the world where there was no bread, hardly any food. People were queuing for six hours a day just to get loaves of bread. And uh, without going into all the details, because I, I can't really go into them for... for, for well, can't go into them. <laughs> um, we had this opportunity that we could set up this bakery uh, through local believers. Um, and it took about six months to do. And, you know, I asked... Two, I just made two phone calls. I told the story, and from those two phone calls, I managed to get $45,000 just from two phone calls because people's hearts were so moved with compassion. They said, I want to do something about that. And a few weeks ago, I had sent through photographs and a video of the bakery now in operation. And so they're feeding a city. They're feeding that neighborhood because people felt moved by compassion. And it's it's... It's good to know that we can do things locally, but we're also doing things more globally. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, Roger Eaton, who is planting a church, relational mission church in Lille in France, uh, he got in touch with me because we've been building relationships, or he's been particularly building relationships with um, a guy called Sewa in uh, Togo, in French-speaking Africa, and that church is sort of exploring relationships with Relational Mission now, and we're beginning to partner together and work together. As more and more nations, we're just finding opening up through different contacts people are having, people who want to build on the similar values to us, building New Testament values, all the things that we've come to love. Anyway, um, I've spoken to Sewer a few times, beginning to get to know him, and, and, and Roger is sort of working quite strongly with him. And I think we're going to put a, a picture up just so that you can see uh, Sewer. There we go, and that's Sewa, and that's uh, his wife, Tonte, and then there's their children, uh, Wisdom, 17, Stephanie, 13, and Mave, 10. And then there's an, another uh, child who's, they've got who's, uh, who's married, who's not on the, the photo there. And so, you know, lovely, wonderful-looking family, aren't they? Tremendous. Uh, but then I had this message come through from Roger just the other week, he said, uh, on Friday the 25th of June, so only a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, uh, Tante said she wasn't feeling well, and Sewa drove her to a medical center, and she received care, and they came home. After a heavy storm on the Saturday, they returned to the hospital, and tests showed that she had contracted malaria. They gave her a serum injection. They returned to the hospital on the Sunday, But given her anemic condition, her health rapidly deteriorated and she went to be with the Lord on Monday morning. This tragic event has left Sewa to care for his four children, albeit one is married, and for the Seat de Glory Church. Tante's jewellery boutique was their main source of income and it is now closed, hopefully only temporarily. There is no life insurance or state support. Their monthly outgoings amount to around £400 a month, so our giving can go a long way. Maybe we could stand with this dear family in this devastating season. 
when I kind of heard that, and you sort of look at the family like that, I don't know about you, but my guts yearn to think that I, I cannot not do something about that. So his wife's income from the business supported them in their planting of the church, in their you know running the church. It gave um, employment to some of the people in the church, and suddenly, overnight, we have a tragic situation where now four children uh, don't have a mother, Sewer doesn't have a wife, the business has had to close, and there's no no way of them surviving because there's no state help and no, you know. Now, going back to Galatians 6.10, it says, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to the household of faith. Now, we have opportunity because God in his providence, who knows, maybe connected us with Sewer for these months beforehand and we're now well-placed to be able to do something to help this family get back up on its feet. What we want to try and do is help the, the business get going again so that obviously then there's sustainable income. Now, we don't want anyone uh, here or watching online to feel under any obligation, not at all. But if you feel that kind of compassion within your heart to think, I just want to give to that, I just want to help that, then we are going to send out an email and put it on the, the LCC Facebook group. We will put the, uh, the Togo Compassion um, uh, details and you can just give through uh, backs or through a check or whatever or cash into the church. And if you're a gift aid payer and we already have your details, we can claim gift aid back on that. But I said to Roger, I spoke to him this week, and I said, I just feel I'm just going to say something Sunday morning. I don't want to make it a big kind of offering or, or whatever. I just feel let's, we've got opportunity. Let's just do good. Uh, let's express the heart of God. And it, I don't know if it doesn't matter how much you can put in or whatever. It's more about saying, oh, something within me. We have opportunity, this dear family. Let's just bless this man. They had her funeral just this last week. And uh, that's a, that's a, can you imagine the surreal whirlwind that that must put the whole family in? Now, it just felt to me like having talked about Christ's compassion, having talked about how we can really be Christ's hands and feet, his body in the world, well, we have an opportunity now to show that, don't we? And whether it's Togo or whether it's your next door neighbor, God will be giving us lots of opportunities in the coming day, particularly post-COVID and as we just begin to come out of all the trauma of that. So many people will have so many needs, not even just outside the church, inside the church, not just financial, but just this whole thing's been very traumatizing for people. Some people's circumstances will be very, very difficult for them to even know how do I navigate life in, in this ongoing new reality. Now, we can't fix everything, but as we have opportunity, let's do good to all, and especially to the household of faith. Now, just as I close, just to say this, the reason I can bring this to your attention is because God has given me an opportunity by the fact I'm in this position to do it, as a position of influence. I can do that. That's what God has placed me to do and I'm thankful that I can do that in lots of other settings as well. Every one of us, God has given a position of influence. There are people around you, there are circumstances around you where God has arranged your life in such a way that you will be able to bring God's godly influence 
into the situations you're facing. And it's one of the ways that we actually preach the gospel, not just with words, but by demonstrating the kindness and the heart of Christ, because it opens people to see that God's people care, which often makes them more open to think, well, what is the reason for the hope you have? Why do you care? Why are you doing this? Why do you stop and look after me? And we can say, well, it's because someone did the same for me, and his name is Jesus. And I just want to do for you what he did for me. That's the gospel. So let's pray together. Father, we do pray that we would be a, an army of care bringers, an army of compassion uh, followers of you, that we would be your, your body and represent you well in the world. We do pray for dear Sawyer and his family, Lord. We can't fix every problem that everyone has in the world, Lord, but this one man, this one family you've just highlighted to us this morning, we pray that we'd be able to just bless him and his children. And that we, we pray that that business would be able to open so that they've got sustainable income. We pray you'd help them as they grieve. And we pray, Lord, that this would be almost like a, a, a story that just motivates every one of us watching this and listening to this this morning to think, in my world, in my world, who is God putting before me Where are the opportunities God is giving me to demonstrate your heart, Lord? Please help us with these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.